Blog Talk Radio. There was a time I was so afraid, so scared to do what I wanted. In looking back, I can see all the mistakes that I made, and I wish that I could talk to me and tell me I can change. Don't be afraid. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio Safe Recovery. This is Monica Richardson, and I am your host. Today is August 19th, 2014. I am really happy to have on Stanton Peel. And Stanton has been on before, but uh, I just thought it was uh, really important to have him back on. And so I'm looking at his website, and Stanton Peel, for those of you who don't know, is a psychologist who has changed the addiction field. He has pioneered, among other things, the idea that addiction occurs with a range of experiences, recognition of natural recovery from addiction, and the harm reduction approach to addiction. He has written a lot of books, and they are one of them that I'm looking at right now. is called Recover, Stop Thinking Like an Addict, and Reclaim Your Life with the Perfect Program. And this book was written with Ilsa Thompson. He also wrote Seven Tools to Beat Addiction and Addiction Proof Your Child, and Love and Addiction, he wrote a very long time ago. It was published in 1970. Uh, I am going to bring him on in a second. I want to just say I finished the film. So people who are following uh, the 13th step, the film is a completed film. We're just working on doing clearances and a little more polishing. And once that's all done, we're, I'm already talking to distributors and uh, people who are very interested. So we did a screening in Los Angeles for about 65 people last week. Uh, private screening, and then uh, we'll do some more as things roll into it. And so now I am going to bring on Stanton. Hi, Stanton. You're live on the air. Monica, it's so great to talk to you now. And uh, I happened to talk to somebody who was at the screening that we both know, Lance Stodies, and mm-hmm. um, he just raved about the film. He talked about the fabulous content. And mm. thank God I'm part of that. And yeah, he talked yeah, about are. the great the great production quality. And he even mentioned the fact that there's a little bit of humor in it because, uh, you know, when you face these monumental problems and you face the monumental monolith of the 12 steps that you're, you and I are, and Lance and others are fighting against, mm-hmm. it's sometimes easy to get bogged down or depressed or discouraged mm-hmm. and when you're able to show that you maintain your sense of humor, I think it lets people know that you're a human being and that you're not worried, you're confident, and right. you're forging ahead. And 
and your film's just a monumental thing, The 13th Step, in, in making, you. you know, an impact to present the opposite point of view from what most Americans are familiar with. Yeah, I, I really, the, the further that I got into it, Stanton, you know, we haven't talked in a while, uh, I want to read this, I want to answer that, I want to just read what's in the inside cover, what's in Stanton's new book, Recover. For decades, you've been told that addiction is an irreversible disease, a biological force over which you have no control. That defeatist message is not only without scientific foundation, but actually prevents your overcoming addiction. Now, world-renowned addiction expert Stanton Peel demystifies addiction and offers a groundbreaking program that puts at your disposal what does work in treatment and recovery. For four decades, Dr. Peel has challenged and changed our understanding of addiction and recovery. He has developed approaches that break the cycle of addiction and empower us to take control of our lives, including understanding that we are able to direct our own brains to change. I mean, like, why wouldn't you think that we could direct our own brains to change? But if you watch... Who is in charge of our brains, after all? I mean... Yeah, um, if if we're not, maybe... Yeah, yeah, well, if you watch... It's like they're imagining one of those old... It's like you're imagining one of those old horror movies where the brain is in a, uh, you know, uh, an aquarium. And, uh, you know, some mad scientist is turning dials as though Mm -hmm. it's not in your person and you're not directing your own life. And that's the most important ingredient. And I know, I mean, a couple of things I know we're going to mention is that you're one example of that, that you went through the entire AA mill and you were introduced to it at quite a young age. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Uh, as you you know, you became increasingly dissatisfied with it, and at the same time, they're pulverizing your brain. They're pelting you with information to say you're ours. You belong to us. Mm-hmm. You can't change you on your own. You are what we say you are. It took you a few decades, but you came to a different recognition of who you were, and now you're fully emerged on the other side of that experience, and I know we've spoken about this, you now drink alcohol. I've had alcohol with you. In a, you know, you're a different human being now. Right, you're older, right. you're a child, you have a child, you have a marriage, you have a purpose in life. Mm-hmm. And when you have those things, it's not like alcohol controls your whole destiny. It's like your destiny controls alcohol. Once you gotten to a place in life where you've mastered, you know, you haven't mastered the universe, but by the way, uh, you know, my daughter Anna Peel wrote the cover story in the current Esquire on whatever that movie's called. Uh, I can't remember the name, something of the universe, and he interviewed uh, Chris Pratt. Oh, okay, I don't know. Yeah. It's of Esquire magazine. But speaking about you, as master of your universe, you're now at a place where you can look back and say, I'm not the human being who entered that AA group. I went mm-hmm. beyond that brand of drinking, and I went beyond the AA group. And all the while, they're nipping at your heels and saying, well, that can't be done. And you're saying, how is that helpful? Uh, besides for anybody, and you know yourself, I mean, nobody can tell you you didn't do it. They can claim that nobody's done it. But the ironic, amazing thing is that you are actually an example of the silent majority. There are more of you, far more of you than 
people who are hanging around AA church basements, and which gets us back to why what you're doing is so great. You're trying to make a media exposure to show that there is this whole other world, unrevealed world, and uh, you're part of the one who's taking the curtain off of it to show people that it's there and and how common it is and how good it feels to be there. Oh, yeah. I mean, we really we really captured that. I think that there's a couple things in the film uh, where we pulled the Marty Mann footage where she's like, Alcoholics Anonymous, blah, 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 blah. And then it says, the new scientific approach. They actually pull up this picture that says a new scientific approach. And I was like, oh, my God, what bullshit. Like, how did they like, – so they, they, they're so good at saying one thing out of one side of the mouth, and then the other side, it's all about God and faith healing. And then the other part is we, we pulled a movie about cartoons. It was like Wreck-It Ralph. And it's just this very short clip where the kid, they're sitting around. It's all the bad guys who are the bad guys in video games, the old kind of games that you played in arcade. And the character says, well, you can't change who you are. You just have to accept it. And I thought, you are brainwashing toddlers, you fuckers. Well, you know I, 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 mean, I, know later, I, mean, I know later in this program you're going to be uh, calling on, Juliet Abrams is going to call in, and she's done right. a really fascinating experiment. Everybody loves the 12 steps. Everybody thinks, oh, God, it's so great that Robin Williams, I mean, who we're talking about, went to the 12 steps. Mm-hmm. And Juliet did this immediate, interesting, intriguing experiment where she actually showed people what the 12 steps are. And mm-hmm. a lot of times they're stunned. Um, she's got some right. great examples where people go, is that religion? I mean, just right. remind well, people the third you know step what? of the 12 steps says, Make a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we Mm -hmm. understood him. Mm -hmm. Is that, generally speaking, a good therapeutic technique? Is that something you expect to go into a therapy office and suppose you're depressed, let alone suppose that you have a substance issue? Is that really what you hope a therapy is going to tell you? Just turn your will Mm -hmm. and your life over to the care of God, and you'll be great. That's therapy? Yeah. No, no, it's it's not. And, uh, in fact, what we did in the film is I pulled all the references to God, Him, or Higher Power, and there's over 497 of them. And then I, from then I pulled them out, like from the sentences into a phrase, and then I pulled the ten worst ones. And some of them, once you read them, are like even me, and I've been tearing up the big book and the literature, as you know, for three years, over three and a half years on this radio show. And it was when I'm working on when I was working on the film, and we got to this section. I had so much fun, and I was pulling like one phrase: "If you don't do this, you will die." And then there was another one that said, "You must," or you know, just a lot of this: "You must," or it will kill you, and that you have to live in this way 24 hours a day. I mean, it's and the important and I, thing about that, in terms of what we're talking about, is right. is that how you speak to somebody? Right. who you're trying to help, or is that how you speak in the particular thing we're talking about, is Robin Williams and his depression. I mean, when a yeah. man commits suicide, yeah, that's obviously a problem. And, you know, I, uh, I re- in terms of Julia, when she gets on, she pointed out, here just to remind people, you don't have to go through the whole big book. Right. These are the fifth through the eighth steps. We review these in Recover. 
uh, Elsa Thompson and I, in, our, in my book, we cover Stop Thinking Like an Addict. Let me just read and ask people who are listening, mm-hmm. does this sound to you like good therapy for depression? Number mm-hmm. five, admit it to God, ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Is that like how you want to start out with somebody who's depressed? Is that is that something Robin Williams should think a lot about, all the wrongs he's done? Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. When you have a depressed person, do you say to them, you know what, let's focus on your defects of character. That's what you really need to be thinking about right now. Right, right. Number seven, humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. Is that what you tell a depressed person? You know, you've got a lot of defects of character. You've done a lot of wrong things. You've got a lot of shortcomings, frankly. Um, That's what we need to focus on. Number eight, make a list of all the persons we have harmed. Does that sound like a night? And so uh, when Juliet sent this to some people, I mean, people don't even know what the 12 steps say. Right, right. When when some people she sent this to, they said, well, that's not good to say to a depressed person. If a person comes in and they're deeply depressed, you don't focus them on the nadir of their life, of everything they've done wrong, of everything that's wrong with them. They already know all that. That's what they're thinking about. That's why they call Mm -hmm. it being depressed. Right. And so um, that's why, you know, I've written a couple of recent blogs, my most recent blog in Psychology Today and my most recent blog in Substance.com. I have a regular column for them. I say, why when you see after Robin Williams' death, you see people get on television and say, you know what, he really needed to be in recovery. And ironically... It's the mm-hmm. most ironic thing. The month in July, Robin Williams went to Hazleton, the most prestigious 12-step treatment rehab in the United overpriced, States. He was, overpriced, 12-step indoctrination. Yeah, forget it's it, a mothership it of them all. If it costs two and a half cents and you went home and killed yourself, it's overpriced. He right. went there, and then a couple of days before he killed himself, he was at a 12-step meeting, and yet people are still out there blubbering. Right. Well, you know, he really needed to be in recovery, and that's all he was in. Usually, if you go for a treatment and you end up dying, most people would say, you know, perhaps we should think about some other ways to approach the problem. Only right, in the right. 12-step industry before you came along and mm-hmm. some others mm-hmm. are people able to say, you know, it doesn't work for a lot of people. It harms a lot of people. You focus mm-hmm. on people who are sexually abused. But a man who goes to an AA meeting a couple of days earlier, we might think the same about, you know, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman had a similar experience, who had been, re- both of them had recently been in rehab, and then they end up dead. You don't tell people, well, you know what this shows? It shows how serious uh, addiction can be. You really need to go to your closest rehab, 12-step rehab uh, meeting. Instead, it tells us that what we're offering people so often fails them. And, in fact, he's a picture perfect. He's a poster boy, unfortunately, mm-hmm. for how our most popular uh, response to addiction is dangerous. And right. If, if we were in a sane world, people would say, you know, he went to a 12-step meeting a couple of nights before he killed himself. He was in the best rehab, a 12-step rehab in America the month before. 
and he killed himself, you know, maybe we should take this product off the marketplace. Yeah, I think so. I think that the things that were said, uh, somebody came into the shop where my son works, and he overheard them saying they were steppers, and they had come from a meeting in Hollywood, and they walked into the e-shop or whatever, and uh, they were saying that, well, he just should have stayed in rehab longer, and my son really let him have it. And he said, you know. Adi, God bless your son for being trained. Right. Yeah, it's I like mean, an you know, joke, it, isn't it? Um, it's we terrible money the things that are said on we, we lose money on every product we sell, but we sell so many of them that we it's fantastic. Oh, we sent him to 12-step rehab and an AA meeting, and he killed himself. He should have gone to more meetings. We should send more people to those meetings. That's the logic behind that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I just it feel so bad because I had heard that he was not loving AA. I mean, I think when anybody who has 20 years and then they or they have abstinence and then they don't that then they if they I mean I don't know how many people don't know that other ways exist like I think that it's the fact that I didn't know until I dug in 2009 but you know it's all over the internet now if you went in and, and typed in alternatives it's like uh, malpractice at a place like Hazleton yeah. right can I, get, I think so can bring somebody in and the guy goes in the man was not doing well no, I know. Look at him there. What he looked like in that meeting. I mean, he just looked so depressed. The picture that's circulating. That some... and then, and then you, when a man comes to treatment and he's not doing well with that treatment, in AA or Hazelton, of course, is an incredibly expensive place, and they're not capable of saying, you know, you don't seem to be responding well to what we have to offer. There mm-hmm. are other things you might try. They're not right. able to do that. Right. It's right. They don't do that. Right. Was Julia uh, was Julia calling in now? I I think yeah, she's she going to call in. I told her at 15 minutes after the hour, and she just texted me and said she's going to call in two minutes. Uh, we have some people oh, in the good. queue. I want to just say hi to them because we have some friends in there. So if Kenneth Anderson, I want to say Go hi, ahead. Ken. Ken, you did a great job uh, in the film. It's very funny stuff. People like what you said. And we have RCT Recovery Truth Now. It's Jason Bartley. He's in the film. And Jason has a lot of YouTube, um, but you know what she's saying, that she's not getting through. Maybe I, uh, let me see. I'm going to tell her. You have to push I, I another I button there. 818. Oh, let me just, uh, I'm sorry, guys. Um, that uh, I, got, I got the right number. Yeah, you did. I'm getting, um, uh, what is the word? I'm going to double task right now, or multitask. Okay, there she is. Let me put in the number. It's 818. Four seven five ninety two eleven for those out there listening, eight one eight four seven five ninety two eleven. Jason tells us. I think Jason I think is, one of the. Oh, I'm sorry. Go on. Jason you were is. About Jason. Um, yeah, about someone who went to Kaiser, and went in for depression, and uh, then they sent him as outpatient. They told me he needed to go to AA, and. I mean, you know, we talked about all this, you know, potential, oh, I think, lawsuits that are going to come down the pike eventually when, you know, you you were treated or say you really have, okay, look, I was depressed when I was 13 steps and I was 19. You know, I mean, I was. I thought about driving my little car off the poly highway as I drove to a stupid prison meeting when I was 19 years old. But I was in clinic, like I moved out of it, like I was depressed because terrible things had happened and they, more bad things were happening. And I didn't see, I didn't even think about leaving AA. Like the thought never crossed my mind that these people 
are fucking like how do you get in so quickly, Stanton? How do Well, they... I mean Juliet's going to talk about her own not so distant past experiences where she was depressed and going to a therapist yeah. at the same time that she was in AA and we just read some of the steps of AA and anybody who reads those who has any kind of training in therapy or counseling or psychology knows that that's the bad path to go down. And it's only after she's been through that experience. You know, when you're seeking help, you sort of think, well, this is AA, 12 steps. They all, the therapists, they all know about this. And yet the therapist often will collaborate with the 12 steps. You know, even yeah. if they're a behavioral therapist and they know that you've got to put people into a more positive frame of mind, they'll bite the bullet. Uh, and reputable people, you know, Dr. Nancy Snyderman on NBC will say, well, of course you've got to go to the 12 steps, even though what they're doing, what they're saying is the reverse of what we know to be constructive therapy. It's as though everybody has to bow down to the king, the emperor, who happens to be naked, and yet nobody can... And what we need from the Robin, what my blogs and Substance.com and Psychology Today are about is this incredible thing has happened and amazingly, 99% of what we see in the media or get on the Internet ignores right. the fact that the man committed suicide in the course of being committed to and receiving 12-step treatment. And yet, that doesn't give anybody pause to say, gee, I wonder if that's really the best way to go. It's almost as though, well, the treatment's great, too bad he failed the treatment. Mm-hmm. That's what Stan says over and over in the film. He says, you know, it's always the person failed. Why isn't that, you know, AA failed them? And I said that in a meeting somewhere. Oh, I said it in Louisville, Kentucky, when I got up to defend the young lady who I went, who was having drug sex slavery done to her. We're a whole group of people there. And I stood up and really gave him hell. And I said, you know, anybody here, and of course people who are like what they call retreads, who have been in and out, who they, they call the failures, those people, whenever I've done that in a meeting, love me because it's like the first voice of sanity saying, guess what, guys? You didn't fail. AA, AA failed you. This program only works for like 2%, if that even. And for people to That's say, so well, great you that you're able to go out there and reach them. You have the, the guts to do it. You have the experience to do it. And you have the ability to break through the miasma and say, the fact that you see, you know, anybody who's been in an AA meeting knows how many failures there are. They, they, everybody knows about suicides. Everybody knows about relapse. Everybody knows about people that the program failed them. And right. yet they're not allowed to say that. It's sort of like, well, here's our little secret. You know, we're going to throw all of those people in the dustbin, dustbin of history and we're just going to go on with our merry little band here, this tiny little group that responds well to it. And God bless them. They're allowed to go if they like. You're allowed to go to church. You're allowed to become a Buddhist. You're allowed to do anything. But as a way of dealing successfully with most people, it's a dismal failure. Right. Hey, how's it? Right. Is Juliet calling in yet? Have you seen her little yeah, her you line know, I, light up? Yeah, no, I mean, I've never had any trouble with anybody calling in. And she said it's just ringing. you got to check it, uh, Juliet, if you can hear me. It's 818-475-9211. 818-475-9211. Well, I'll have to speak on her behalf. I mean, uh, Julia, I, she just described in detail, I was just reading about it, she's, she's writing blogs about this, that um, 
you know, she was depressed and she was going to AA and receiving that message. And then she, you go, she would go to a therapist, and the therapist would try, you know, he tries to teach you empowerment. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you go to a therapist, they don't tell you, you know, you're not in control of your life. Let me just start out by telling you, that is depression. When people right. feel they can't control their feelings and their own lives, that's, just, that's another way of saying they're depressed. And what stunned her was that she never was able, I mean, she's just a person, you know, she's getting therapy. She regrets now that she didn't read the 12 steps to the therapist and say to him, how is this, Right. how is this doing what you're trying to tell me that I should do? It's, you're telling me one thing and this is the opposite. Should you really be, shouldn't you really be advising whoever is making me go to the 12 steps to go to AA to say this isn't good for her? Mm-hmm. This is something that's really going to detract from her ability to deal with life. Nobody's allowed to blow the whistle on this, and as I said before, um, you have the guts to do it. Let Let me talk about one other crazy thing that everybody says about Robin Williams. You know, okay. Robin Williams gave an exam an interview in uh, the Guardian, and this is what Robin Williams said about his drug and alcohol use. Okay, you ready? Let's just evaluate him as a psychologist. Williams quit cocaine and alcohol in 1982. You know, Robin Williams, who everybody, I was just called for an interview with New York uh, Radio, uh, Public Radio, and they said they wanted to deal with addiction and creativity in terms of Robin Williams. And I said, what was Robin Williams addicted to? Do you know that Robin Williams he might be a little bit self-dramatic talking about his substance abuse, had not taken cocaine since 1982. Mm-hmm. You know, if you haven't taken a substance for 30 years, right. we sort of count you as over it. You know what I right. mean? Right, and, right, right. And, and this was in the L.A. Times. I know that's an underground publication, but this was they reviewed this interview. This is what Robin Williams said. Yeah. It was a strange thing because my manager sent me to this doctor because they said I had a cocaine problem. He said, how much do you do? He said, a gram every couple of days. And he said, you don't have a problem. Mm-hmm. 32 years ago, Robin, Grant, Robin Williams used a gram of cocaine every couple of days. He stopped it because he was having a son. By the way, if you believe he's an addict how, and you don't believe that you're in control of yourself, how did he quit then? Right. And he's never used cocaine again for over 30 years. That's not a man with a drug problem. That's a man who, when he was younger, who knows what the hell was going on at that time. Right, and so everybody right. has to use him as an example of a man. Right. They always say this, a man with substance abuse problems. That's, when I wrote back to the woman who wanted to interview me, I, not everybody likes me as well as you do, Monica. I uh-huh. said, what was he addicted to? Uh-huh. And she said something like, uh, well, everybody said he had substance abuse problems. And I said, well, I don't know. Said, mm-hmm. Can you answer the question? What was he addicted to? I mean, unless he was addicted to his antidepressants, he hadn't taken a drug in 30 years. So let's put that on one side of the scale. The other part of the story was he didn't have a drink for 20 years. Mm-hmm. And then he, he tells his story. He's told this more than once. He went to Alaska there, and he started drinking because, you know, he was out in the wilderness and alone, and he wasn't feeling well. And then right. he drank for three more years. Uh, and then he went back into, you know, he had an intervention, 
and he went back into rehab, and then he intervention. I guess the people around him, you know, that's bad. If they, yes. and they don't mention this, the people around, if if the wives are really close to them or in AA, he's fucked. I know right. from being one. You know, Kevin and I both know, and my children know the harm that we do as steppers to our children, to our loved ones, until we leave. But that component. Well, and the other he, thing that you're saying is. If you if you're drinking, Ron Williams. This happened in 2003, and then he started drinking again. And the funny thing is, funny is a funny word to use in this context. He was he wasn't depressive and suicidal while he was drinking. And then his family, you know, maybe his family had some AA members, but probably what they thought was what they saw Nancy Steiner and say on on TV or anybody else. You know, Dick Cavett. Oh my God, you've got to go into recovery. And so they uh. did an intervention, and in 2006 he went back into recovery, and he was wow. his wife announced proudly almost his new, he lost that wife, the second wife divorced. He may have gone back into recovery, but he maybe it made him such a son of a bitch. She divorced him anyhow in 2008, and then his third wife proudly announced. You can read about it in my um, in my blog in Substance.com on Robin Williams that his recovery was intact. It's sort of like saying. We're so proud of him, and the treatment was so great. Uh, unfortunately, he died of it. Um, but he was, it's like AAs, it's almost as though they're saying, you know what, we'd rather that you died abstinent than live. It's almost mm-hmm. like what they're saying. Well, he had to die too bad, but at least oh, he was Oh, the thing that drinking. they say in meetings, I told Kevin, I said, if you and I went into some old meetings, I said, we could really let him have it. You could imagine what the crap that they're saying. Uh, there's so many people blogging. I, I have so many people on leaving AA right now and that are leaving that, you know, talk about the abuse. And one guy was uh, sharing how there was a woman in, the Bron- in uh, lower Manhattan who had like a number of years and she really had a low bottom and she finally got time. And she had like three years, and then she drank one night. And she woke up and she called him, and he said, "Don't you know you're? It's okay. Are you okay today? You know, yes, okay. You're to your kids. Just you know, it's all right. It's a fresh start. Whatever." She went to the meeting, and they just like reamed her. Like, who well, here's the another fuck crazy thing. Let's say something. You don't mind if we say something really radical on your show, do we? Is it possible to say something no, really go, radical? No, on your show? go ahead and say it. Maybe Robin Williams was an example of a human being who would have been better off drinking than not drinking. Well, I when think that's die, not radical. You, yeah, I think he would be better off drinking. I mean, you know, I mean, someone uh, who, who said it was okay. He, maybe he wasn't like a wine drinking kind of a guy. Maybe he mm-hmm. drank it to deal with his demons. But maybe it worked for him. You know, I mean, why is it an antidepressant didn't work for him? Why is it? Where is it written? In what big book is it written? Uh, well, here we give you different substances when you're depressed. Here's one substance that we want you to take, it's antidepressants, and that often doesn't work for people, or it works yeah. and it stops working. Right. And other people, they drink alcohol as a way of dealing with depression, and we say, that's a sin against mankind, nature, and medicine. Stop it. Well, who decided all of that? And Robin Williams did not appear to be suicidal. I'm not, I'm not his doctor or his therapist. While he was drinking, they successfully, and I put successfully in quotes, Got him off alcohol, and then he killed himself. Yeah. So, well, you know, even we, even mean, the other right. thing too. My, I just want to say this: that Juliet is now giving me a number that I'm going to try. I've done this before. I remember once when Tom Horvath was on my show, we had a problem, and I can call from here. Let me just try this. 
There's a little phone. There's a little phone here. Uh, and I then imagine I you put... in some complex control room, like you're, you know, like uh, you know, uh, Radio City Musical. Go on, do so, it. It's so funny. I'm just on my computer in one of my rooms in the house. It's quiet, but it says I put the number in and I can dial it. So let's see, it's dialing it. It dialed your number. Let's see, it's dialing it. Now it's ringing. Sounds good. Can you hear, can you hear that ringing? Hi, Hello. Ring. Hi, Juliet. Hi. Yeah, I'm here. Okay, we got it. <laughs> okay. We've been dying I without you, Julia. Thank God you finally got through. Yes, uh, <laughs> I'm here. Screaming. When's Julia getting there? Oh, better late than never. What are your views on AA and depression? Fill us in, because you have a little more experience than some people. Mm-hmm. Uh, my um, experience was, well, I went to therapy and AA at the same time, so I had a pretty good idea of what was working for me and what wasn't working. The 12 steps themselves are very negative. Therapy is very optimistic for one thing. Not that you don't talk about anything negative in therapy, but to overcome an issue like depression or any life problem, you have to be motivated and empowered. And the 12 steps tell you you have a problem, you drink too much, and all their steps are disempowering. Mm-hmm. So. I was uh, I was telling uh, I told people before you got were you able to hear the show before you got on or uh, I, I told them about how you're doing research with um, people and they sort of can't believe what the twelve they, everybody loves the twelve steps but they can't actually believe it when they hear what the twelve steps said and I know you're doing research. Yes, uh, two um, two groups of people are um, two kinds of answers people who haven't heard of the 12 steps, usually think AA is a support group that has helped people, maybe people they've known. Then two groups of answers there. Some can't seem to shake that AA couldn't be helpful. I think mm-hmm. it's part of our culture. You know. yes, and then the other, yes, and the other group, they're astounded and they're like, what, what did I just read? What are these steps? I, they've heard of the 12 steps. They've heard the phrase working the steps or the 12 steps, but they don't know what they are at all. They're looking at them, and one um, woman I talked to, she read over the steps. I sent her a complete list of them, had never seen them in their entirety. She just thought AA was a support group. She reads them and responds, is this a church? She had no idea mm-hmm. what was going on there. I asked her specifically if she thought people with depression could be helped by those steps. Absolutely not. Right. So, you know, um, I, I read I read those. You know, I don't know if I should call them my favorite steps. I, you know, they're worth reading again. Admitted mm-hmm. to God, to ourselves, and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. We're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Humbly ask Him to remove our shortcomings. Made a list of all the persons we had harmed. And, I mean, I know what you said, what you think now is, could your therapist read that with a straight face or or good faith and say, yes, why don't you go through those steps? That should help you with your depression. It's almost like malpractice that people allow people to be thrust into that kind of an environment when they're depressed. Who would let somebody be degraded like that, be 
banged down like that by that kind of negativity. Um, I, my 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 uh, editor it was very neutral when he began to cut the film, and it was probably three months ago. And so Barry, I was working on the sequences of pulling the God references out, and was very excited. That was a part that I really wanted to just create myself with my assistant Val. But we were bringing stuff up, and we were still sort of researching and pulling it up. And he was sitting in my house, and he looked on. He said, "What?" He said, oh, my God, I had no idea this was so religious. He has a friend, he and his wife know somebody who a long time uh, is in the program, and they, again, thought it was a support group, uh, just a support group. Even the attorney who is now involved in the lawsuit against AA, he said that you hear, and this is in the film, he said, all you ever hear in court is AA. He said, I, you know, he didn't even know anything else existed, and hopefully what he's going to do is he's going to have me be a speaker uh, we hope this comes to be. Uh, their lawyers have meetings once a month, bring the film, show the film, and talk about it. And then I've made a pamphlet to educate the lawyers and judges. There will be lawyers and judges at this kind of get-together they have and educate them all you know, just about reading, Just reading the 12 steps is stunning for people. I, I just love I just, yeah. that one email that Julia shared. The woman just was, like, stunned. You know, she's just an average human being, and she wrote, in our response, is it a church? It's like, what is this? Uh, this yeah. is actually something that people go to for therapy or that courts in the United States sentence you to or that mm-hmm. Dr. Mm-hmm. Nancy Steinemann recommends to people on NBC. Well, why don't you go here wow. and say, you know, just in case you're, the people came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God. That's therapy in modern America for most people who encounter an addiction problem. It definitely isn't therapy. No, yeah, it's not therapy at all. In fact, the biggest, you know, I've been fighting because somebody posted on my thread on 13 Step to Film, which was a very quiet Facebook page, extremely quiet. Nobody would post it there. I would put, you know, that what was happening in the most recent, you know, I'm, I'm traveling here or whatever. And so Renee, who's my social media person, posted the picture that some, you know, horrible stepper took of Robin in a meeting. And she posted it up there. And, you know, I just started to block it, not even thinking. That's, and they, the things that people were brought on a lot of pro-steppers telling me how dare you and how could you do this and I said oh well first of all I guess you know famous people now need to know that they do not have privacy when they go to a meeting and that some schmuck might be sitting there you know filming you like they did to Philip Seymour Hoffman or like they did to Robin and that it's okay when it suits you and so I printed a bunch Julia, of Julia can you imagine what it would be like to go to a 12-step meeting when you're depressed? Can you really can you envision what must have been what it might feel like for a person that commits suicide? Oh uh, yeah. Holidays? I can, can you I mean as people outside of recovery get depressed too, so it's something that actually people can relate to on the depression side. Mm-hmm. So showing them these steps now when I was depressed maybe, you can call it that in going to 12-step meetings, it only, what's that word, magnified mm-hmm. all the things I was thinking negatively about. You know, I'm already thinking, hey, I'm a failure today or the worst possible things I can think about myself. Mm-hmm. Repeatedly on my own, I didn't need the 12 steps to help me do that. What I needed was somebody to get me out of that funk or the next funk. 
instead of telling me, you know, no, just rework the steps or go back to step one. You're struggling with step one all the time. And I'm repeating that I'm powerless again and again. That really can get a person nowhere, even a smart person. I think I'm pretty smart, but very intelligent people. I think Robin Williams, Philip Seymour Hoffman are very intelligent people. Yeah, and even were. they could not battle the what maybe the social stigma or just the culture that we have created where you know, if you're not going to AA, what would your friends and family think of you if you're not getting the help that you need that they think is help? It's, so like it's they're a big being, job. They're being, it's a big job mm-hmm, that we have to change things. They're being, told, uh, they're being told uh, that they're extra stupid because they're going there and they're not getting it and they're still depressed. But, gee, I, I don't feel any better and mm-hmm. uh, I better go to another meeting like this. And then when, when you get to the meeting, it makes you feel worse and then you're doubling down on saying, gosh, what the hell is the matter with me? Well, exactly. It's like going to school or any other doctor. They're telling you and you trust it at one level that this is what has helped millions and the whole setup is right there. And a smart person can be like, man, I must be really stupid. And then you have AA slogans where they tell people nobody is, you know, too stupid to get the program, but some people are too smart. Yeah, it's, you really, will. it's really, it's horrible. I mean, Stan, uh, Stephen Slate is somebody else, if you're out there, um, who has a blog, uh, and he says in my film some really, you know, powerful stuff, which is those those sayings, you know, take the cotton out of your ears and stick them in your mouth. And then we have a pilot who says, you know, it's almost like we're asking losers to tell you how to live. Like, you oh, know, yeah, if you're, about, uh, yeah. if you're so smart, how did you end up in AA? Well, good question. That's what I'm trying to figure out, too. You know, these people must be thinking on one level, what the hell is this? Why do I feel worse? And who can I talk to? And then you go to a place like Hazelden, they're professionals and they've got degrees, and you ask them, maybe Williams asked, why do I still feel bad? And they're going to say, well, just work the steps harder. That's not well, therapy. You know, and if they're professionals, they should know the background he has with mental health. Well, I, there's another, I mean, the cases come across the media constantly. I, I, Elizabeth Vargas is a, you know, a big media right. spokesperson. Here's what the headline says. Co-host Elizabeth Vargas ashamed and sorry to be back in rehab. Can you imagine that? That's the highlight. Wow. Wait, when is that? She went to rehab. Again? It didn't work yeah. for her. Recently? That just happened. That just came out. That you oh, haven't heard yeah. about that. That's what oh, this, somebody needs that to get to August. her. Like this is bad. Like they are killing well, people. Like, you know, they're killing she's in people. Rehab, this they're is be, just they're doubling down on her and be, and what's because she doesn't want to stop drinking. That's the whole thing. That's why Gabrielle Glaser's book. If you're out there and you haven't read her book, her best kept secret: Why Women Drink and How You Can Regain Control, or even Donna Cornette's book. You know, uh, who talks about moderation? She's written three books. She was on here. She said that the courts used to laugh at her 20 years ago, and now they're like, "What's that book you have, Donna?" You know, the same thing with Stanton. You have your great book here, The Recover. But the point is, is that people need to be given the choice of of moderation and harm reduction. In the beginning, she's she wants to have one glass of white wine. 
You know, she can learn how to do that with her dinner or two glasses. The fact that they're telling her you can never drink again, you know, and we know from the the halls of the 1930s where only he vetted with 100 men and women, and it was never vetted and never researched and printed in 1939 and then stamped, and they fucking repeat this shit from then. That, well, that there's something else vetted. going on, I think, here that's really important. I know I, I'm sure Julia could contribute to this. Yeah. You go in there and you've had whatever, whatever you've done, you know what I mean? Maybe you had a bad night, maybe you had one drink, and you go in there, and what is the feeling? What's the group thinking about you? How are you feeling about yourself? That's what's captured in this headline. Elizabeth the... Vargas is shamed and so- sorry to be back in rehab. Uh, when did we go? You, She's ashamed. They're shaming her. I had somebody, a woman on my Facebook, you're going to love this, using that word shame, and she said, shame on you. I said, you get off my thread. You are not, you and your shame bullshit from Alcoholics Anonymous, you don't get to do it to us who've left. We are gone. Julie, I mean, can they you are imagine so fucking or, arrogant. Oh, you... uh, yeah, yeah. The, the, the biggest, the biggest, biggest, like, lie or bullshit going on with, um, AA, especially new members who hear this, this is just a bunch of confusion. There's no stigma because we have a disease. No, AA made the stigma and continues the stigma, and they do it to each other. They shame you when you go back out, and then they'll tell you, oh, well, you know, we still care about you. You're welcome back. Keep coming back. But they're still going to put you right back to peg one. Go back to step one. You don't, uh, don't talk at meetings for a while until you can get your, um, you know, thoughts back together. They Usually don't brush by one slip. You're you're lucky if they forgive you if you accidentally ingest alcohol somehow if it's in your food or something. And the shame uh, is real. I think this headline, Elizabeth Vargas is shamed and sorry to be back in rehab. How about wow. saying to her, well, you know, maybe, that, maybe this arrangement didn't work for you. Let's sit down and think about what is something that you can realistically do that will be better for you. Let's try and – that's how you do things in therapy. You say, what is something that's possible for you that right. is better than what you're doing right now? You and know, that's why, go. Stanton, that, that's why I uh, bring up therapy and AA do not mix together. And I've been court-ordered to therapy, too, like they thought that would help with the AA or vice versa together. They don't. AA can make the situation much worse than what it is. Therapy could have probably helped me get a jump start on really knowing what healthy thinking was or get me back on that level. AA just kept me in circles, you know. Yes, yeah, they can't. There's a circular insane. Like the I process is exactly the opposite between the two. One is saying, what the hell is the matter with you that you didn't do what the steps told you to and what you promised to do in this group? Therapy is a process for you to say to a person, let's think about you as a human being in the universe. Well, let's say I went into, sorry to interrupt, (laughs) let's say you're going into therapy and you're talking about how horrible you are, your defects, you walk in there just going on and on about this. That would be a problem you'd have to fix. You go into AA and you're praised for talking badly about yourself. They reward you for being more negative about yourself and so many... That's what the process is about. What a, a drunkalog is a person getting up and berating themselves for their lives. Um, um, it's a process of standing up and putting yourself down. It's hopefully everybody's mother. Let's let's 
give every mother, we got a couple of mothers in this group here, don't we? Mm-hmm. And yeah. one father. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Never, no mother should, every mother should tell their child this. Every parent should tell their child this. I don't want to hear you ever degrade or say anything bad about yourself. If you do something wrong, okay, it's good to admit that, but I never want to hear you downgrade yourself as a human being. And if that, if every parent convinced their child of that, then there wouldn't be anybody left at a 12-step meeting because they wouldn't be able to put up with the abuse that they encounter there. Mother, yes. you all promised to do that now, right? Yeah, I, I hope I'm already doing that. Yeah, I, I, I already I do, do that. Oh. I mean, yeah, I, mean, right. I, I do it. I, I do it. I do it. I definitely do it. I think that um, one of the things that is also horrible about AA that a lot of men are coming forward, and I don't think that my husband will mind me saying this, but, you know, my husband uh, is a successful uh, voiceover actor. And so he, well, we should, never mind. We shouldn't but just say that he's successful what he does, and he was not a loser, and he had a lot of time, you know, which they all praise. And there were people, he had 17 years or 15 years of absence when some fuckhead actually called him an idiot. He said, you're an idiot because, and I don't need to say why he was called an idiot, um, because of something that was going on, the union or something. And, I mean, it doesn't even matter why. I feel like I really can't explain why on the show. Yeah. But uh, it was so inappropriate, and that's the kind of bullying that go. he is... My husband is not a newcomer. My husband is not somebody who was drinking again. He was absent. He was successful. He had a home. He had a wife. He had a nice fucking life. And those guys are such pricks. And I know it as an insider that even somebody said that somebody could have really talked. Like, we don't like Julia, Kevin would talk you, about. Did you ever did you see people get put down in AA? Was that something that you witnessed as a regular part of your... Uh, that, that's a constant, ongoing thing, even out here in Ohio. But you put somebody down right away. I mean, it's just a way of, you, you know, you're not taking their inventory, but you're checking them, you know, because you don't want them to um, be egotistical Give or anything an like that. And any number of things. You know, they they might think that everything's going too good, and they might be saying one thing or another that happened in their life that, they're very proud of, and it's like, well, you got to go check them right there and tell them to be careful. You know, you're getting a big head about yourself. I'm worried about you. You're, I mean, just the way they say something that could be nice in a very mean way over something that people should be happy about. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah, you got a, you got a new house. Well, be careful with those mortgage payments. You know, I don't want those, that stress getting to you. You know, something really offhanded, and I'll catch those things, and it would just be very disturbing. The whole culture is like that. So. In cognitive behavior therapy, when somebody comes in and all they've got is negative thoughts, you work, you explore their mindset to look, and this is a part of the therapy, you know, in our book, Recover Stop Things Like an Addict, you look in a person's life for the success experiences that they've had. People, when they get up, when they end up in rehab, are not cheerful people. I mean, uh, I had a rehab, and by the time somebody ends up at your doorstep, you don't have to remind them that things haven't been going well. Instead no. of like re, instead of reinforcing everything negative in your life, one of the things that we did and we do, uh, Elsa and I do in the Recover book, in the Perfect program, is to say, let's review what has been positive in your life in the past. What are your strengths? What are things that you've accomplished? Somebody like Robin Williams and Philip Seymour Hoffman, what people mainly say when they hear about somebody like that killing themselves one way or the other is, how can somebody with so much success be so down on themselves. 
But really, mm-hmm. they're just an example mm-hmm. of a way people have thinking about themselves. People get into kind of a morass where they can't see one positive, and everybody's had this experience, where they can't see one positive thing in their life. And then you might just say, well, aren't you proud of your son? Or uh, didn't you just win an award? Or haven't you kept your job? And it's sort of like a revelation for them to say, well, yes, that is a good thing in my life. And then in therapy, in cognitive behavior therapy, you say, well, let's just think a little bit about that. Let's think about why you're able to do that, why there are positives in your life, why it's not true that your life is so negative. Obviously, with someone like Robin Williams or Philip Seymour Hoffman, you would say, well, can you talk a little bit about your, your gifts and your skills and how those have helped people, how you've made people feel better about their lives? It's a matter of refocusing the negative on the positive. That's cognitive behavior therapy. It's almost as though the 12 steps are the reverse of that. It's mm-hmm. almost yes. the way Julia was just describing. If you come in with some positive, they say, is that really positive? Aren't you getting too full of yourself? Right. Aren't you getting too <laughs> Your ego. Your ego. Somebody I was listening to, I watched a little piece on him last night, and they they were doing like a rerun of his life. And I, he said something about that he needed to get rid of his ego. And I said, no, you don't. Like, we, everybody right. needs a healthy ego. But you could hear the AA language in him and that only other people mattered. No, other people don't matter. If I don't matter, then I can't give anything away. If I, can, if I can't water my own plant, then I'm going to wither up and die. You know what I mean? And well, that's that, really that, that, a good example. You know, somebody would tell somebody with a great talent, that he's too full of his own ego, and that's what led him into his problem. People, success is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Reflecting on success, feeling your success is what people, what people like Hoffman and I think Williams, they're not capable, for some reason they block the ability to really understand and experience what they're good at and why that's a positive thing in the world. Exactly. Um, telling... What do you say, Juliet, about that? You, can you see that process happening? I see depression with both the celebrities there. I mean, what we what AA calls an ego, the normal world would call um, bragging or being boastful. Neither of those two celebrities, as far as I know, were of that nature. AA just puts the word ego on nearly everything and distorts some of its meaning. I mean, I not even going back to like psych 101 with thinking about yourself, but there's a way of thinking healthily and positively about yourself. They even tell you in AA that depression or a depressed person or a self-pitying person, you know, some things that people should work on and get better with also are suffering from reverse ego, but they still have a big ego problem. I never could understand that one. I'm like, oh well, God. myopia yeah. of self, yes, yeah. you know, I need to get out of myself and think positive, but you're yeah. telling me that I straight up have an ego problem, like I'm full of myself, and that's a different concept. One of know. the examples, I, one of the tests I always apply to anything being therapeutic is, would you do this with a child? Yeah. If you have a child, I mean, obviously you don't want to uh, bragging uh, to other children about how great he is, but obviously... You want him or her to be proud of themselves. If they do something good, you say, well, that's fabulous. And if they have a special skill or a talent, you tell them that because that's how right. people build around their esteem and their their belief in themselves. If, if 
what you be the opposite of what you would do to make a child healthy. It can't be, you know, well, we're going to tear the person down because they're too full of themselves. Uh, you would never, nobody would think of doing that to a child. And if it doesn't work with a child, it's sort of not going to work with any human being. Because right. we're all the same mechanism. Well, we have only four minutes left. I'm talking to Stanton Peel, and Stanton Peel, he is an addiction specialist, and he wrote the most, uh, this last book is called Recover, Stop Thinking Like an Addict and Reclaim Your Life with the Perfect Program. Uh, If you're a parent, he's written a great book called Addiction Proof Your Child and the Seven Tools um, to Beat Addiction. And we have on with us Juliet. Uh, Juliet, should I go by your last name? Which last name? Whatever. Um, Abram. Yeah, Juliet Abrams. And Julia, Julia met through um, uh, in Ohio. We didn't meet in Ohio, but through <laughs> that I arrived there, right? And then where yes. did you get your um, blog uh, writings posted? So people are in- asking where they can read your stuff in the in the chat room here. You got posted oh. on Anton's. Um, Juliet, tell them about Juliet's a regular columnist. All the. Yeah, the links are on thefix.com. Okay, so she's on the fix. And then um, I think, did you help publish her on Psychology Today on your blog, Stanton? Well, I I originally heard from Julia. God, I don't remember how. And <laughs> I started publishing some of her posts. And then um, the fix became fascinated by her. What Julia brings is kind of a grassroots rebellion. She came in and said, um, you know, this isn't some fancy intellectual exercise. I've been through the mill, like you have, Monica. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's a little younger than you. but And she said, I've experienced how this tore me down, and I'm going to write about it, and how it brought out and reinforced the worst parts of my life, and I'm going to write about it from that kind of a level. And, uh, you know, as she's just been describing, she also has this remarkable ability to go out and interview people, well-known people in the field, uh, regular people, and draw their information into what she writes. It's, uh, she's got her own style, and she's got a really popular... She's had some... Uh, what was the the one blog that was number one at the Fix Forever? What was the name of that one, Juliet? Um, I got like the bullying or the bashing. <laughs> The bat, what, couple well, the, the um, AA, was it the abuse thing or anyhow? She had one that was just at the top of the charts for oh, the ever. AA bullies. I'm trying to get the title right here. Right, that was it. AA bullies, which is recovery bullies. Yeah. Recovery yeah. bullies. Yeah. yeah, I could see why. And that's how that everything we're that talking is really, about. All right, Stanton, we got to, I got to wrap there. it up. We have like one and a half minutes left. I'm I'm so sorry that we have to finish up, but I just want to be able to thank you guys and give people links. So again, we're with Stanton Peel. Thank you so much, Stanton. Uh, Juliet, I want to thank you. Uh, you can find Juliet Abrams' uh, writings on the fix, and Stanton has a website which is peel.net. Um, you can go to leavingaa.com, stop13stepinaa.com. There are a lot of Facebook pages now. 13 Step to Film, please go to there and like it and share it. Please go on Twitter, guys. Make a Twitter account and reach out. There's a lot of people that are leaving AA with this another tragedy of Robin Williams. They're thinking about maybe not going, maybe not sitting in a meeting, maybe they're not anonymous, maybe they're not safe, and maybe believing this crap is not the way. 
So I want to thank you all uh, for joining me today. I'm Monica Richardson on Blog Talk Radio Safe Recovery. And we will be back on Friday, actually. I'll be interviewing Ann Fletcher from Inside Rehab. Thank you so much, Danton. Thank you, Julia. And uh, this is the most You're fun welcome. I've ever had being on with Monica <laughs> uh, Richardson and Juliet Abram. I, I should be so thank fortunate you. again in my life. All right. Thank you both. All right. We'll see everybody on, okay. uh, on social media and on the phone. Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks, everybody, and good night, and see you on Friday. Bye-bye.